Hello and welcome to the Generosity Freak Show. I'm Nathan Hill, and today I'm doing my best Brady Josephson impersonation. He is out of town this week on vacation. He is hitting the slopes and, yeah, doing a little skiing, getting some much-needed R&R this week. So for better or for worse, you are stuck with me as your host. Uh, So let's talk about today's show. Today's guest is a little different than some of the guests we've had on the more recent weeks. We've been doing a lot of conversations with people that uh, either support nonprofits or charities in their work, or they've written books related to giving, philanthropy, and fundraising. But this week, Brady, well, last week, Brady sat down with with Lisa Bowman, who is the chief marketing officer at United Way. And she gives us a lot of insights into how their marketing teams work at such a large organization. Uh, They've also faced some challenges related to revenue decline since uh, the financial downturn in 2007. And so she shares a little bit about how they're working to overcome those and how they're seeing uh, an uptick starting based on some of their work. Uh, She'll also get a little bit into how to build an effective brand like United Ways. And then uh, a really cool part of this conversation, she talks about what true generosity looks like even outside of giving. So it's a great interview. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, I'll turn it over to Lisa. Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go I said welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Welcome to the Freak Show, here we go It's just another Freak Show, here we go Hi, Lisa. Thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Brady. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I hope so. <laughs> All right. So uh, we, I want to talk about United Way Worldwide and your marketing and uh, focus on brand. But before that, you came to United Way from UPS. Is that correct? It is. I did. I am approaching my three-year anniversary here at United Way. There you go. Congratulations. Um, can you share a little bit more about what you were doing at UPS and kind of how you journeyed into your, your role now with United Way? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so I spent 16 years at UPS working in a variety of uh, different marketing roles throughout the organization and was fortunate enough in early 2010 to be asked to take a role in the UPS Foundation, which is the philanthropic and citizenship arm of UPS. So I show up for work my first day there. I was supposed to have the um, social investment portfolio for diversity. And I got a surprise gift with purchase that came with the job my first day. They also gave me the United Way campaign. Um, so I ran uh, I ran UPS's United Way campaign, which is our second largest corporate campaign for four years. Um, and really, for me, it was a lot of fun. It was using what I do as a marketer to apply it to the nonprofit sector and see if I could actually market United Way to our employees in the interest of getting them to step up and support United Way at a higher level. And the good news is it worked. Um, (laughs) It actually worked really well. And I had an amazing opportunity uh, to come join United Way Worldwide as the chief marketing officer. And so left UPS in 2015 and came over to United Way. Cool. What are some of the the differences maybe that you've seen between maybe like UPS or maybe the for-profit side and United Way Worldwide and kind of the nonprofit side? Well, you know, as a marketer, um, I do a lot of analysis. So before we hit differences, uh, let's talk for a minute about similarities. Ooh, I like it. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty basic, right? Both organizations are over 100 years old. 
Um, they both start with a U, which is actually kind of cool <laughs> that we don't get them mixed up too often. Um, we're both global. But, I, you know, I think one of the perceived differences between nonprofit and the for-profit sector is in the area of accountability and measurement. Um, to me, a nonprofit really is a business. Uh, it's just that our return on investment is a return on social investment and an impact in people rather than the traditional business metrics that you would have in the for-profit sector. Um, UPS is a phenomenal company um, going through an amazing transformation right now. I'm still very close to UPS. And, you know, I look at it and we're going through a transformation too, because our world is also changing. I think business is changing as a whole. And one of the things that is great about United Way is because of the structure of our network, we are able to be very nimble. Um, we're able to move very quickly. And we're able to try some things that, quite frankly, if they don't work, we've got the luxury of doing that without being accountable to shareholders. We're accountable to stakeholders. And I think that they understand a little bit more. They're a little more forgiving, if you will, than shareholders who are looking for that financial return. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and United Way Worldwide is kind of a, a different beast itself. <laughs> for those that don't know, United Way Worldwide was the largest charity in <clears throat> 2017 with revenues of $3.54 billion, with a B, which absolutely boggles my mind. <laughs> As someone who spent most of his career working with small and medium-sized nonprofits, $3.5 billion <laughs> is crazy. So I want to just get maybe a sense of like your role as chief marketing officer at this massive uh, charity organization. Like what does that even look like day to day? Like what do you do? <laughs> Um, I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a necessity. Yeah. Um, you know, my days are all really different. Um, and, and that's one of the things that, honestly, I love about my job. Um, one of the things that was so intriguing to me about this job was the ability to really find that intersection of passion and purpose and do what I do as a marketer, but be able to go to sleep every night knowing that I've made somebody's tomorrow just a little bit better. And so my day could be anything from working on comms and marketing support for a cause marketing program that we're doing for one of our partners. Uh, it could be shooting our PSAs to get the message out about who United Way is and what we fight for. Um, and then there's really mundane stuff that I do too, sometimes like editing a press release um, or making changes to internal documents that we're doing. Um, but definitely what I really love is the ability to set the strategic direction for a brand and help expose new audiences to our brand. I, I think that marketing is really, it's, um, it's like a road that comes to a fork in the road. And when you hit that fork, it sort of branches off into either art of marketing or science of marketing. And within my department, I've got both because I have all of our research function, but then I also have all of the creative functions. And so for me, that's really fun because I get to swing back and forth a little bit between the data and the analytics and the reasons why, and then look at how we leverage the creative to make an impact on those reasons why and facilitate change on them. So really, it's the best of both worlds. And do you see sometimes, maybe not uh, with your organization or where you've been, but maybe some others, that those two forks are kind of 
they don't connect? Like you've got your your data team and, and then you've got your creative team and like never the two shall meet? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, what I've seen in a lot of organizations and other organizations that I've worked at too is that sometimes you've got the data and analytics in the marketing function, but then all of the creative stuff sits in a separate comms function that runs parallel. And to me, it really needs to be integrated. Um, you know, I look at it as holistic marketing communications and it's all together and they work hand in hand. And our teams work very closely here between the marketing team that reports to me and the communications team that reports to me. Um, a lot of interaction. It's all integrated. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know obviously our, our world and my world's digital and, and every time we see that where it's kind of disconnected like data and then marketing and creative, it's like whew, that is almost impossible to do well on the digital side. It's just it's moving too quick. All those things need to be working together. Yeah, and we do actually have our digital efforts broken out. It doesn't sit underneath marketing. Um, and that may be non-traditional, and it's certainly not what I'm used to, but there's a really good reason for it, which is that the digital space for us is an area of heavy innovation, and we're moving very quickly. And by separating it, we've actually been able to run a little bit faster by parallel tracking. What we're doing is building out our digital capabilities while still moving forward with our traditional marketing. Well, and that makes a bit more sense if you're, I mean, the focus of, of digital oftentimes is, is speed. And so if you're saying, hey, you can actually move quicker to not be in here, I think that makes sense. Where where that doesn't work is if digital is supposed to go quick, but then they're still beholden to, you know, other departments that aren't matching their speed, then it slows everything down. That's the that's the danger when it comes to digital. Exactly. And that's why we broke it out the way we did. We need the digital aspect to be able to run and run really fast. Um, so it just makes sense for us in our organization to do it that way. I read that United Way Worldwide's revenues have declined by about a sixth since 2007. Uh, and I'd be interested to know what some of the reasons are behind that and what you're kind of doing to address that or maybe possibly even reverse it. Thanks, Brady. Great question. And yeah, we, like most other nonprofits, we have seen a decline in revenue over the past couple of years. I think it's really important to take a look back. And like you said, that decline began just over 10 years ago. If you think about what's happened in the last several years with our economy, certainly it's had a significant impact on the nonprofit sector. Um, when people don't have money um, and they're challenged, they don't have a job, they certainly don't have the ability to give to charity. And they, in fact, go from being benefactors to clients in some cases. During the economic downturn, we saw a lot of people um, that had not typically been the face of the person that uses United Way coming to us. I think the other thing that really happened is in conjunction with that, as our local United Ways operated in their communities to try and manage the most urgent needs of those communities, they started to message around specifically what they were doing. And so we incurred some brand fragmentation as well. And United Way was starting to stand for different things in different communities, all aligned with what we do at the master level, but it had taken on sort of a, a unique personality in each community. So the good news is, is that we're starting to see a reversal of that trend. We certainly feel like we've hit rock bottom. Um, we've got a lot of things that are resonating really well. We know with the kind of generational shifts that are going on in the workplace where over 90% of our donors come from, the continued emergence of digital, um, individual engagement is really, really important. And so we see that those results 
are being driven by the efforts that we've put towards things like our affinity groups with women leaders and our younger leaders. Um, certainly the announcement that we had earlier this year about our partnership with Salesforce and the emergence of Salesforce Philanthropy Cloud is a great way um, for individuals to engage and get their social circles to engage when and where and how they want to with causes that they care about and are personal and relevant to them. Um, and then the reframing of the brand, which we did in 2017 to roll out the notion that United Way fights for the health, education, and financial stability of every person in every community. Um, all of those things really working together are helping to support that reversal. Um, we just got our numbers in from the kind of 17-18 campaign and came in at $4.6 billion. Um, yeah, that's billion with a B. Just no like big deal. Earlier. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, and there's been a lot of changes in the sector, too. We're, you know, what we're fighting against, quite frankly, is corporate campaigns that were sort of time-bound are now going to evergreen giving. There's been a lot of consolidations within the corporate sector where donors come from. And then companies are shifting their CSR priorities as things are changing in the workplace. Um, you've also got the growth in what I call DIY fundraising, um, things like GoFundMe, for example, and people putting up their own pages to do things. And then donor-advised funds are another vehicle that is continuing to gain traction, particularly among high net worth individuals, um, because you've got the benefit of being able to park the money in a charity, but it doesn't necessarily get immediately distributed into a cause or to an organization. Sometimes we find that it tends to sit there. But the overall good news is that support for our impact areas um, and the mission of United Way was up six and a half percent last year. Yeah, so thank you for that. that robust uh, response. <laughs> um, it, it's been interesting to see because you know I had a client who was United Way, and so it was a little bit behind the scenes, and then obviously spent a little time at the conference a year ago uh, where I met you briefly. And to kind of see that transition, I think has been great because the impact of United Way truly is absolutely remarkable. You know, not just size, but in so many communities and the types of issues you can address. But there was a bit of a disconnect, in my opinion, of the brand that was going back. It was kind of like, oh, this is a corporate campaign thing. <laughs> and it was kind of isolated from this immense, immense impact. And so the, the work that, you know, you've been kind of doing around brand to focus more on that, I think has been great. And it's obviously people are responding. Um, I want to talk about brand for, for a second. You mentioned brand a bunch and uh, in, in kind of your bio or role, you oversee brand innovation, which sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I want to know how you define that. And then maybe just talk a little bit more, maybe not specifically United Way, um, but just kind of the role of brand, particularly for nonprofits. So brand innovation and brand overall. Yeah, I, you know, I think brand innovation is really about constantly keeping your brand fresh and relevant. And that's certainly something that was really my first order of business when I got here. Um, we've got a really well-established brand. You know, we're over 130 years old. But like I said earlier, that brand had become fragmented and we needed to make it relevant. And to do that, it really involved us taking a different creative approach and putting the problems that people and communities are facing front and center. Um, where people can see them. And I think that's really helped us. I think that um, the other role that brand plays is if you've got to create awareness and if you're not aware of something, um, you're certainly not going to trust it. And if you don't trust it, 
you're not going to donate to it. So ensuring that we maintain really high levels of awareness about who we are and what we do, as well as building that trust through being really transparent, making sure that people understand how we pay off on the brand promise, what we stand for. All of that is really important in cultivating and retaining donors. Hey y'all, Brady here, back to the interview in a second. But first, a question. Do you like going to nonprofit conferences? Uh, If not, maybe you're going to the wrong ones. And maybe you should try coming to ours. (laughs) It's pretty different. It's pretty fun. And I think you'll enjoy it. It's called the Nonprofit Innovation and Optimization Summit. We are heading into year four of the summit. And next year on September 24th, 25th of 2019, we will be in Denver, Colorado at the Ellie Culkin's Opera House. Should be a great time with some great people. You can learn more about this event at neosummit.com. And if you're interested in attending, which we hope you are, you can actually save 30% just for being a podcast listener. You can use promo code podcast to get 30% off your ticket. That is neosummit.com and promo code podcast. Hope to see you in Denver in 2019. Yeah, and it's one of the the kind of ironies where it's actually cheaper to acquire like emails and donors for large organizations that have big brands than small organizations who, you know, don't have the money to spend, but they don't have a strong brand. And so you have to pay a lot more. You have to get spend more time getting in front of people, whereas people know United Way or World Vision or these large organizations. And so it's kind of, you know, the split. And so it's hard to make the argument to some uh, nonprofits to kind of invest in some of that brand because it does pay off. It's just, it's a little bit harder to measure. You know, it's not direct measure like we spent A and we received B. So how do you, you know, if if someone's listening and saying like, yeah, we need to invest more in brand, like, do you have a tip or suggestion of how they can kind of win over their colleagues or maybe invest in brand in a cost-effective way? Well, one of the things that we do, um, and this has sort of been a longstanding practice of United Way, is we actually don't buy media. Um, we rely solely on a donated media platform, which it has its good and its bad. Um, you know, it challenges us sometimes in terms of being able to get the message out there because we don't have the, the funds available to invest in media. And that's a discreet decision that we've made is we'd rather have the dollars go towards our work and our impact than buying media. So we do rely on donated media. But what I would say is that... The most important thing is for your brand to be credible and authentic and find ways to pull that through. Um, Really good personal example of that is when we were shooting our PSAs last year, I actually met a homeless man that was on the street near where we were filming. And to me, it was that kind of moment where the universe is speaking to you. And as I heard his story, I looked at him and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the person for whom we truly fight every day. And we put him in our PSA. He's not talent. Um, He is a real homeless man that just appeared in front of me uh, that morning. And so we used him and he really his name is Dion. Um, He lives in Miami and he really illustrates very credibly what we are trying to do and what we what we stand for. So I think that in today's world where there's so much visibility into things and things can go viral um, and one person's perception all of a sudden becomes news, I think it's really important to make sure that you are truly credible and authentic and transparent in what you do. 
Right, right. Uh, those are some great tips. Um, I want to shift briefly to kind of generosity more, more kind of at a macro level because this is the Generosity Freak Show uh, after all. Uh, and I'd love to know, how do you define uh, generosity? You know, I, to me, and I, it's a great question, um, one I had to give some thought to, quite frankly. But it, I think that generosity really is about giving of yourself to another or to something, perhaps it's a cause, with absolutely no personal gain other than the feel good that you get back from it. Um, and, and I think those can be little things that we do. You know, everybody's super busy. And I recognize that a lot of times we don't even take the time anymore to look somebody in the eye, give a stranger a smile, ask somebody how they're doing today, um, or even say thank you. And I think just those little things, it's a simple, painless act of generosity. You never know what one word might do for somebody else or what that other person is facing. Sometimes just giving somebody a smile um, or asking how they're doing to take 10 seconds to personally invest in their well-being. To me, that's a very small but easy act of generosity. You don't yeah. have to write a ten thousand dollar check. Of course, it's good if you do. It's yeah. even better if it's a check made out to United Way. But there's a lot of other things you can do to be generous to somebody. Yeah, and that's a good reminder too, because you know, obviously, like you know, uh, this is my world, this is your world, this is our world, and we talk about percentage of GDP, and you talk about billions. Most people talk about millions or thousands, and and we we often get wrapped up and linked generosity to money and money to charities, whereas there's a lot of giving that happens outside of charities. And like just the other day, I was going to Tim Hortons because I'm Canadian, so I like start every day going to Tim's, and I pulled up, um, and they said, "Oh, the the truck, two cars before you." You just bought your coffee. I was like, that's amazing. And like, I don't need it. I could have paid for that coffee, but it was just like such a simple gesture by that person that I'll never meet, never know. And it was so like generous. That's generosity. You know, it was nice. Yeah. I mean, I love stuff like that. And even, you know, I had, um, and I have had Tim Hortons coffee when I've been in Canada. <laughs> there you go. Um, I actually, <laughs> one of my weaknesses is I love egg McMuffins. Uh. <laughs> um, and now that McDonald's serves breakfast all day, a couple of weeks ago, I came home from a business trip fairly late. I hadn't eaten, and I went through a McDonald's drive-thru on the way home. The It was pretty late. The guy working the drive-thru was a little bit older, quite frankly. I probably was working because he still needed to and just looked really down. Um, you know, I got to imagine being at a, a drive-thru working that at 1130 at night when you're a little bit older probably not on the top of most people's lists. And so I just, I struck up a conversation with him. I mean, I was tired. I didn't really feel like talking anymore, but I was like, you know what? This guy just looks like he needs somebody to invest in him a little bit. So it was very simple. How are you doing this evening? How was your day? What time do you get off? And by the time I left, he was actually smiling. I think he was just looking for somebody to engage with him and probably hadn't had that. It cost me nothing except for the time that I was spending sitting at the drive-thru window. And you know what? I felt better too when I drove away. So I, again, I think it's the little things. Um, it's great to get a big donation. Like I said, don't stop doing that. Um, but also if you can just find two minutes, five minutes in the day to think about how you might be generous and invest in somebody emotionally, 
with something that doesn't cost anything, it's a really easy thing for us all to do. Yeah, no, that's a great reminder. And, and again, I think that's that's one thing that we can all do to kind of help improve generosity. But, you know, as you sit in kind of uh, your chair as a, as a marketing person and look out maybe over the generosity landscape or the giving landscape, are there some things that we can do as kind of an industry that can help grow and improve and inspire more generosity? Yeah, I, I think that we need to get a little bit more vocal about talking about why we support the things we do and encourage others to do that. If you think about our world today, people rely very heavily on reviews and feedback um, from strangers, right? We all do it. I just came back from a trip and every single restaurant that I ate at came off of TripAdvisor. I don't know any of those folks that did any of those reviews, right? But I trusted their judgment to get me a good meal. So we rely on other people's advice and opinions. And I think that given the fact that we have that ability, we should all turn into advocates for the causes and the organizations that we care about and we support. That's part of the value of social is to endorse those things and get our friends and family and our circle of influence to also endorse them. Um, that's how we grow. That's how we support the industry. So, you know, nothing would make me prouder, uh, than for somebody to come and say, Hey, you know what? Somebody else told me about United Way. And I just want you to know that I actually joined the fight with United Way and I made a donation to you or I volunteered with you. Yeah, no, that's, that's another really great point. Cause, uh, a, that's how we get information as you mentioned, but B like social influence is linked to generosity and people don't want to be the first and only and what other people do in terms of giving helps shape what we do. Even if it's a stranger, it's more powerful if we know that person or we're connected to them, but so much giving has happened kind of behind closed doors. And there's this kind of, you know, moralistic kind of Puritan value behind it, which there's some element of good, but I think, I think you're right. If we did more of our kind of giving and advocacy publicly and saying, here's who I support, how and why, I think that would just inspire more and more people to participate and, and give or think about giving, which would be part of it as well. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I mean, coming from a workplace that ran a corporate campaign, we didn't talk about giving. You, you never talked about whether or not you did or didn't support United Way because it was such a personal decision to do that and at what level. But in a world where people put everything out on social media, right, there are some things that shouldn't be on social media, um, but you know, certainly talking about what causes you support and why to get others to engage or find others, quite frankly, that share your passion for that cause or that community and rally together as a community of influence, I think is really critical today. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's great. Well, you've been very generous uh, with your time. So I really thank you for taking some time out and chatting with us and giving us a little sneak peek behind the scenes at, in your life and United Wear Worldwide. I really appreciate it. Um, where can people find out more about you and uh, your work? Well, thanks for the opportunity. There's no way I could turn down talking to you on something called the Generosity Freak Show. <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, <laughs> So certainly to find out more about United Way, you can visit us at unitedway.org. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Lisa Bowman, UWW. Um, so for the latest happenings on what's going on and the great work that we're doing to fight for every person in every community, that's where I would head. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, Brady. Take care. 
And we're back. I love listening to the interview with Lisa. Uh, it's abundantly clear that her role at United Way isn't just a job to her, but that she really is passionate, super passionate about the cause and the work the United Way is doing across the world day in and day out. Uh, and it's always a great reminder that generosity isn't just about money and donations uh, or giving to a 501c3 charity, uh, but a culture of generosity and a generous lifestyle can involve simply giving a minute or two of your time to a stranger at a drive through window who might just need uh, a conversation. So that's really cool. Grateful for, for that encouragement from Lisa today. Uh, I don't have much else to share with you, uh, but I wanted to thank you so much for listening uh, and bearing with me while Brady's out of town. You can go check out more about what United Way is up to, the work that they're doing at unitedway.org. And then uh, if you want, you can go tweet at Lisa and thank her for uh, sharing so much of her time and, and her knowledge and insight with us today. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Lisa Bowman UWW. Thank you so much again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hey, this is Brady, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Generosity Freak Show. If you want to get all future episodes, please be sure to subscribe at generosityfreakshow.com, or you can just search the Generosity Freak Show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have comments, questions, feedback, you can email us at podcast at nextafter. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the Generosity Freak Show is produced by Next After, where I work. Next After is an online fundraising research lab that works with nonprofits to help them grow their online fundraising. And our mission is to unleash the most generous generation in the history of the world. You can learn more about us and what we're up to and see our latest research at nextafter.com. Lastly, this show would not be possible without my co-host, Tim Kuchuriak, and our amazing mixologist and producer, Nathan Hill. So many, many thanks to them. So thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.